We believe running is freedom and empowerment. We believe running solves problems and makes people happy. We even believe that if more people run, the world will be a better place. We believe in running because it is our passion. This is the Big Peach Running Company Run ATL Podcast with your host, Mike Cosentino. From the capital of the South, this is the Run ATL Podcast. My name is Mike Cosentino. It is my extreme good fortune to host this audio affair. The good news for me, the good news for you is I do not do it alone. I do it with my good friend. He is yours too. He is D2, Dolomite Dave Martinez. We join virtually this time, D2 on the screen, now in my ear, hopefully coming through loud and clear. What goes on fine, sir? Uh, not much, but I mean, we're, we're yeah, like you said, we're uh, taping this virtually and we're bi-coastal. We're, we're on opposite ends of the, of the country. That is true. And with time changes and with the way that just certain things work, we both have daylight despite the fact of the three-hour time change. And it is early for me. And yet this is my sweet spot. You and I are both pre-run, I think. So this is kind of our rocket fuel for a good run here in just a little bit. Yeah, that's right. Yep, yep. And and the weather here right now has been pretty nice. I mean, we've gotten some some rain, but uh, it, it did cool down a little bit. So we've had some some nice cold mornings for to, for enjoyable runs. Well, that's the same here. I am actually out in Arizona. Was in Utah not long ago. Wanted to do a big shout out to my own crew, my family and I. Earlier this week, hiked the long version of the Narrows in Zion National Park. Would recommend that for anyone who has not done that. And my crew did amazing. I have two teenagers. Of course, my wife, they all were troopers. My wife and I had done it before when my kids were much younger, D2. And we didn't know what to expect with the four of us in there. And I will say that although it took a little bit longer than it did, 10 or 12 years ago, we crushed it. And so I'm on a little bit of a high from that. And as you know, D2, this is a big week. The summer is flying by. Wasn't that long ago, it seems, we were having our Memorial Day episode. We have gotten out of the habit of trying to keep from when we do our taping. This is the week before July 4th, 2021. We hope this is a timeless episode. Certainly the information we're going to provide is timeless. And yet at the same time, here we go. AJC Peachtree Road Race Week. Yeah, that's right. And uh, yeah, it's, it's hard to imagine that we're at this point, you know, halfway through 2021. We uh, just last week was the official start of summer. We're certainly feeling it. I know out where you're at, the temperatures are pretty, pretty hot and we're seeing, you know, reports everywhere that there's a heat wave and uh, so you know hydration is obviously going to be very important especially for the peach tree um, and with the way the you know depending on when you're starting you know the course will be open for 11 hours um, so depending on your wave you may be starting at two o'clock three o'clock in the afternoon depending on your signups and that can be extremely you know uh, warm so hydration is is really important I did look up that they um on the along the course they will have dasani water bottles at every mile so there'll be plenty of opportunity to hydrate along the course so do take advantage of that 
Awesome, D2, that's terrific that you've got that guidance. This episode will be for those who are doing this year's Peachtree and for everyone else. Our featured conversation is with Dr. Jonathan Kim. We've actually had him on, as you know, D2, before this will take you back in time. It was episode number 35, over 70 episodes ago is when we last had our friend, Dr. Jonathan Kim on. But we bring him to you today because he is the medical director with this year's AJC Peachtree Road Race, along with his team. They have important work to do. This is a fascinating conversation. It is for everyone because, yes, first we talk about what to expect at Peachtree this year, as well as just the interesting work that has to be done leading up to and on the day of, not only to manage the obviousness of what has to be taken very seriously with conducting this race, build with the intention of being the world's safest 10K this year, not necessarily the world's largest as always been or at least long time has been the distinction this year to be billed as the world's safest 10k and doing that alongside what d2 already mentioned and that is the traditional concerns that come with running a race in the southeast on july 4th heat exhaustion and other heat related concerns as well as just anything else that might pop up during exercise and fitness and having all those people out doing the same thing trying to achieve Piedmont Park. D2, you obviously a bit of an AJC Peachtree Road Race expert. Any guidance that you would say, man, I say this every year and even though this year will be different with two different days with it being split up on a Saturday and a Sunday with less people being out there, but any guidance that you would say, but do not forget because this carries forward. Yeah, I mean, I think the, you know, it's always important to plan ahead, you know, everything. So, you know, plan on how you're going to get to the start, plan how you're going to return. Um, if you're using MARTA, then then pick up your MARTA card and and, and get that taken care of in advance. Um, there will be less people than there normally would be at the start just because they're controlling it, but it'd still be good. It's less stressful if you're, if you planned, you know, in the days ahead. Um, anything that you're going to get, whether it's, you know, picking out what you're going to wear on that day, um, what your hydration plan, what you're going to eat that morning, you know, or, um, you know, all that stuff is, is less stressful uh, if you plan and even execute some of that in the days leading up to it um, rather than on the morning of. Dude, great advice. Coach Dave, Coach D2, he will be back at the end. On, uh, the, on the outside of this episode. So make sure you listen to Dr. Kim in full because D2, our coach, will be telling you about the next training program. In the meantime, it is going to be awesome to have Dr. Jonathan Kim outside of his role with the AJC Petrie Road Race. He is an assistant professor of medicine in the Division of Cardiology at Emory University. In addition, he is the founder and partner of the Emory Sports Cardiology Program. We'll put links to those items. He and I have worked together for a long time. He has been doing work in and around his clinical interest in sports cardiology and by doing that, he has done screenings of collegiate athletes. He has published work analyzing exercise-induced cardiovascular remodeling. He's also done work around pre-participation ECG screening and has been a wealth of information for this market and for runners, for walkers, for athletes of every skill level around the globe. He did his residency at 
Massachusetts General and Harvard University. He has worked here in the States, also in Melbourne, Australia. This individual, if you've not been exposed to before, is someone who will become a resource for you as he is for D2. And for me, we are lucky to have him in Atlanta. We are obviously incredibly fortunate to have him associated with this year's World's Safest 10K and obviously the AJC Peachtree Road Race. Like I said, this is a conversation that you do not want to miss at all if you are registered and it is a conversation you will get much from even if you are not. We're going to bring it to you in its entirety. We had an awesome conversation with Dr. Jonathan Kim. We'll be back with him right after this brief message. At Big Peach Running Company, we know that not everyone identifies themselves as a runner. Running isn't about a start or finish line. It's not about time or pace. It's freedom. It's a break. It's time for yourself. We take pride in listening to your needs. We make sure you get the right shoes so you can get back to enjoying your time. Big Peach Running Company has been voted as one of the best running stores in America by people like you. Visit us at any of our seven Metro Atlanta area locations or visit us at bigpeachrunningco.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. This is good fun, and yet we cannot miss the opportunity to go a little bit down memory lane. Last had this featured conversation on our broadcast, episode number 35. If you've not listened to that, do yourself a favor, go back and do that. If not first, certainly alongside the great content we will have today, but it is my pleasure to introduce one of the world's foremost cardiologists and my friend, Dr. Jonathan Kim. Hello to you, fine sir. Uh, Mike, so good to hear your voice and thank you for the invitation back. Um, it's awesome to be part of the conversation. Well, I think I can say very, very accurately that with the fact that you joined us episode number 35, this is going to be close to episode number 110, if you can believe that. And we only release these every couple of weeks. So I think it's fair to say it has been too long. Wow. I can't believe it's been uh, that long. Uh, that is that is impressive. And uh, congratulations on adding to your repertoire of episodes. <laughs> well, thanks. I guess it's a both a labor of love and maybe an indication of, of persistence, but it's obviously been been good fun and we've we've certainly enjoyed doing it. And yet when you think back that far, there's no doubt the world has changed maybe considerably since episode number 35, given where we are now. And man, we're better to start, especially with someone with your credentials in and around the medical community. So before we dive into some of the real reasons I wanted to have you on, I would just say to someone like you, generally speaking, and you could take it wherever you went or want to go with it, and we would all learn something. But here we are, we're headed towards third quarter 2021. How is it going? Wow, you know, I was just thinking actually, as you mentioned, episode 35 uh, and where that was, where coronavirus um, was not even on our radar. Um, in fact, I think this is the episode where you were actually in my uh, kind of office suite. We came up there and recorded, if I recall. Yes, that is exactly and, right. Uh, it was, it, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of fun. And uh, it certainly has not been a lot of fun <laughs> over the last. 15, 16, 17 months. Um, thank you for asking me personally. I'm doing just fine. Uh, I'm healthy. My family's healthy. That's that's all you can ask for. Uh, I think 
certainly, um, while coronavirus 2019 is far from over, um, we know that. Um, we are obviously in a much better spot now than we were six months ago, a year ago. It's just incredible in terms of the development of the vaccine. I know that's not the topic of this conversation, um, but we really have come a long way. And um, while we're not out of the woods, um, certainly there's a light. We just kind of have to kind of keep moving forward, all of us together to kind of get there. Um, but I think if I were to become a little narrow now and focus specifically on athletic individuals, we have all missed greatly the ability to participate in recreational endurance events. And certainly there have been virtual events or have been smaller events, but obviously we're thinking about the larger events. And while a lot of these early recreational events are still different, um, I think I know we're going to talk about Peachtree, but you've heard uh, Executive Director Canal already talk about that. We're not talking about Peachtree as the largest, world's largest road race this year. We're talking about being the world's safest road race. It's just, it's different, right? It's not Peachtree the way you think about it. And I would gather that even in these fall marathons that come about, it's not going to be exactly the way uh, we used to think about them. Obviously, it's a fall Boston. <laughs> it's not Patriots Day. Um, and um, so we're, we're getting there, though. Uh, and uh, certainly there's a lot to uh, be optimistic about moving forward here over the coming months. So, so let's let's start there. Obviously, it would be disappointing if we didn't ask you about this. And I love the fact that you pulled out Rich's quote because I had that here in, in my notes. And so I'm going to tee it up the way I had planned to without knowing I was going to have the good fortune of such a perfect lead-in that you just gave me. So thank you for that. And that is when Rich says the world's safest. And we put that alongside the history for quite some time now of the AJC Peachtree Road Race being the world's largest. And I think about when you make the statement as the world's largest, you know, who ends up being at the front, maybe even in the center of allowing or perhaps showcasing that to be true. And there are many, many people in Rich, and I'm sure you would be the first to say it is a true team effort. But when you change that phrase from world's largest to world's safest with that as the objective all of a sudden the medical team now becomes part of that team that's front and center not to suggest when it's world's largest that you don't have a huge role or play a incredibly significant hand in it but when you think about world's safest it kind of says to the medical team here you go first so give us something as a place to start that we should be thinking about and then for all of us who are participating in the event, my follow-up question, Dr. Kim, is going to be, what is it that we should be doing? Because we're going to air this before July 4th, but not much before, because we want this to be something that people can both hear, but also remember with enough time to take action. But as a place to start, what is it that we should be thinking about as we cascade towards July 4th and our Independence Day 2021 and the AJC Peachtree Road Race? Yeah, no, some great great points to discuss right up front i would say first and foremost when you talk about as you're saying world's safest 10k uh, you know road race it really is the involvement of a lot of different individuals it's not just one person one uh, subcommittee um, it's an entire city uh, and i would certainly reassure your listeners that um, putting on this race was not taken lightly by Rich just to kind of put on Peachtree, uh, nor the city of Atlanta. And 
uh, listening in on several of the the meetings that um, I've been uh, lucky to kind of listen in just in terms of the amazing um, different officials in the city about the planning of this race. It is there really hasn't been any stone not turned over in terms of thinking about how to make participants feel feel safe. Um, and we it would take your show and probably ten more just to get into all the nuances. So we won't do that. But uh, to your point um, and question about how should participants approach this, I think the best way I would say is to approach it responsibly um, and understand that um, the pandemic is not over. Um, yes, this is an outdoor event. Yes, numbers are good right now, uh, certainly in the city of Atlanta. Um, and, uh, you know, if I look at case numbers and hospitalizations in the Emory system, um, I've never seen numbers so low since the very beginning. I mean, that's just kind of the way it is around the country for the most part. Uh, of course, we're worried about this Delta variant and keeping our fingers crossed. And, but I think that goes in line with this idea of being responsible. You know, Rich has really put in a lot of time and effort about, um, you know, obviously we're talking about half the total numbers split over two days. So if we think about Saturday, Sunday, it's 25% of a normal Peachtree uh, race, right? I mean, 15,000, um, somewhere around there is kind of the, uh, is the estimated number. So you're, you're spreading out runners. Um, there's obviously, um, you know, there's the recommendations for masking before masking after and leaving the premise. Um, and those are, I think, are the messages we want to, to, to share with people. We want people to enjoy the race. We haven't had it in two years. It's, uh, clearly, uh, the crown jewel recreational exercise event in the city, but it's more than just exercise. It's a, it's a, it's ingrained in the fabric of the city of Atlanta. And so we should enjoy it. Um, but you want to, you want to be responsible to the other runners and, uh, and just understand that COVID is still out there. Um, just because you're outdoors, uh, just because you're exercise, just because you're healthy doesn't mean you couldn't get it doesn't mean you couldn't get very sick and even if you don't get very sick there are sequelae that we worry about the long haul phenomenon etc so uh, there is extreme amount of respect that should be had by everybody um and uh, while we are very lucky that we're able to to proceed um six months ago i don't think we there was no guarantee there was obviously plans by rich to do it this way but he'd be the first to tell you that it was very dynamic, still dynamic, but I think, you know, we're a month out, or I'm sorry, a month, we're two weeks out. Um, uh, so we're pretty confident we're gonna move forward, uh, obviously, but six months ago, you know, it still wasn't clear. And so we appreciate that. And I think that's the message for, for people who are running the event. And obviously, um, we think it's safe enough to where we're having it the way we're having it, um, but everybody has a part to play um, once you're out there and running the event responsibly and um and the one other message i would say is remember it's still the fourth of july and while COVID is out there and hopefully one day COVID will be gone the one thing that will never be gone on july 4th in the city of atlanta is heat and humidity and we want people to really pay attention to how you train for this uh and of course not knowing what the weather is going to be like that day respect the heat and humidity that may be present um hydrate hydrate don't overdo it um, heat exhaustion is still going to be there and we want people to, to recognize that as, as, as well. And that's part of the reason as well that, you know, some of the other kind of nuances of the race in terms of, um, limited numbers and 
trying to make sure we finish the event before uh, it gets too hot and humid. Well, you mentioned a, a couple of things, and I know that there would be people who would say, well, what if or how about this? So I'm just going to ask it very specifically, and you mentioned three things that I think are worth repeating, mask before, mask after, lead premises, which I think is synonymous with not lingering in Piedmont Park like we normally like to do or perhaps is even encouraged. So when we think about all of those who perhaps have been vaccinated or at least are partially vaccinated, those three recommendations that you gave, I got the impression it is for everyone to mask before, mask after, to leave the premises and not to get into perhaps the particulars of who is or who's through both doses or whatever it might be. Is that a fair statement or is there anything that you would add or touch on that has to do with, you know, whether or not people have been vaccinated or have clean tests or anything like that? Yeah, great question. Uh, th that recommendation applies to everyone. Uh, remember that um, the vaccine is not 100%. I mean, we've never seen vaccines as efficacious as the COVID-19 vaccines, uh, but 90%, 95% is not 100%. Uh, so you can still you can still get COVID-19. Um, so uh, th that recommendation is certainly for everyone. Now, obviously, we would we very much encourage everyone to be vaccinated. Uh, and the more vaccinated runners that are out there, um, that certainly decreases the risk of COVID-19 being kind of spread amongst runners out there, um, or the chance that somebody could be uh, asymptomatically infected, uh, you know, at, at the start line. Now, obviously, the track club has put in a lot of stipulations about um, trying to ensure that we catch folks who may have it. Um, uh, but nothing is 100%. Um, so, you know, it's the same type uh, advice. And I don't think it's hypocritical to say that, you know, you know, some people say, well, once you're vaccinated, why do I have to do all this? And, and that's why, because it's still out there. It's not 100%. Uh, and we know it's, it's a very easily transmissible disease. Uh, it's certainly not as transmissible outdoors versus indoors, but it's not impossible. Uh, and as you worry about some of these variants, particularly that Delta variant, which apparently is uh, even more transmissible, you just got to be, you have to be careful still. Well, and I think one of the cool things, and we go back to the setup that Rich gave us with this year, instead of world's largest, the focus on world's safest. When we talk about the AJC Peachtree Road Race being the world's largest, you could make the comment that everybody who participates is part of that statistic, but it is possible for those who don't sign up on time or end up having plans change for the 4th of July that they are not part of that statistic, at least at that time, and somebody will immediately step in and do that work for them, right? We're going to have the largest designation perhaps each year when there's not something exceptional like COVID-19. But to be the world's safest, you already mentioned it. And I don't think I had thought about this prior to your comment about how involved not just Atlanta Track Club members and volunteers and professionals who are involved year in and year out, but this is truly a citywide, maybe a region-wide effort with the input that you've received from others, with the participation and guidance you're getting from City of Atlanta or Centers for Disease Control or anywhere else. But now in order to achieve that safest distinction, everyone who goes to Lenox Square on one of those two days is part of whether or not we're going to be successful and be able to say, we said it at the onset and we proved it during, and now we've earned that distinction of being world's safest.
So with that being said, Rich made some comments when he was on a couple of months ago when I said, what is the role that you would ask us to play or what should we do between now and then? And he said, there's a lot that is not yet fully known in terms of how we're going to do it or what it's going to look like. But I'm already going to start, you know, encouraging, maybe even requesting that everybody bring their patience and that everybody bring their positive attitude because things are just simply going to be different. But those were two easy things for me to say there. Take that all of us to the bank because that is guidance that we can put in the motion as soon as we get out of bed on the day that we're doing the race. Is there anything that you would say very specifically we should do, whether it's between now and July 3rd or 4th, or whether it is on whenever our respective race morning is, that reminds us how we can do something individually that's going to have a collective benefit? I think you summarize it perfectly, Mike, which is, yes, we all have our part to play. And, um, and while uh, I'm being repetitive in the comment, I couldn't emphasize it even more. I mean, I, that, that kind of term being responsible. Um, and it comes down to things that are obvious. If you wake up with a sore throat, don't come. <laughs> don't come. Don't come down and run. And you'll probably get kind of picked up and not allowed to run anyway. But if you're not feeling well, um, I mean, that just goes without saying. But uh, but for those that make it down there, it's the idea of being courteous to everybody around you, you know, on MARTA with your mask, staying, you know, um, uh, keeping your distance, listening to the rules, enjoy the race. Absolutely. Um, we know it's hot. We know after you run 10 K, it's not the most comfortable thing, nor the most intuitive thing to get a mask and put it on. But the idea is, is you get your shirt, put your mask on get a bottle of water, go home, enjoy the rest of the holiday with your family. And, 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 you know, you've enjoyed the first Peachtree road race after COVID-19 and, you know, we're all, we all believe uh, deep down that Peachtree road race 2022 is going to look a heck of a lot like Peachtree road race and not like this. Um, but um, the ability to, to kind of have this event, um, uh, this year is, is a real gift. I mean, it was certainly not, as I mentioned, there was no guarantee this was going to happen. And um, I really do credit Rich uh, and the track club uh, for really thinking very thought thoughtfully through this because, you know, obviously I'm a part of the medical team, uh, but it's much more than that when you think about public health safety and working with everybody and really thinking carefully through the entire event. Um, so that I think is is really you know, so if you were to add that positive, I forgot what the other word was, positivity. There was one other word uh, that which said patience to bring patience, patience, positivity and responsibility. There's there's your trifecta of words for, for people as they kind of get prepared for this. That is awesome. And if I knew anything about medical or, you know, the physiological considerations, maybe you and I could, you know, spread out into our own podcast but since i know nothing about the world you live in i'm not going to do that but once again you actually set me up perfectly that's why i say that is i would be your perfect co-host if you always set him or her up as well as you've done me because you already mentioned that the heat and hills no we say it big peach running company heat hills and humidity welcome to atlanta that is part of i love that by the way you mentioned the heat and the humidity. And my guess is you haven't taken the hills off the course either. So we'll just go ahead and put the fact that all three are still very much a part of the AJC Peachtree Road Race. But my curiosity and the thing that you set me up so well for is the medical director and thinking about it with your medical team on July 3rd and July 4th, 
I get they're going to be less people, maybe considerably less people. And yet at the same time, you're balancing the requirements associated with the safest and that statement because of COVID alongside what I had as heat exhaustion and other somewhat predictable, if not annual considerations the medical team has to be aware of and ready to respond to. How do you do both at the same time? Or what are you guys and gals doing right now simultaneously to take on both of those responsibilities? Because it's not like we traded one out for the other. All of those things that have to do with the heat and the humidity are still there. So how do you make the preparations for those considerations that are omnipresent, always going to be part of Peachtree, alongside what is obvious and that we've already talked about? You know, you just summarized one of the, if you were just to kind of separate into different bins, some of the considerations, when you get down to the nuts and bolts of just the medical care of the of the runner post-Peachtree, specifically the runners who may require some medical attention, that, that was the ultimate challenge. You know, you're trying to deal with what you always see with an airborne infectious disease, <laughs> um, which really are, are, are kind of like, uh, you know, two things that just don't meld well together. And uh, I think there are several things that were, uh, that are going to be implemented, you know, obviously trying to um, have more space within the medical tents, you take advantage of distance. Uh, when you think about a heat exhausted runner, you think of a hyperventilating runner, which again, when you think about a airborne infection, it's probably not that ideal. Um, so we've thought a lot about continuing air flows with strategic placement of fans. So you kind of taking advantage of two things. Number one, that COVID does not transmit as well outside. We know that it's, an in, it's really a problem indoors. So if you're already outdoors, you spread people out and you take advantage of industrial fans to kind of maintain a constant airflow in certain directions away from everyone else. Um, then, uh, and you have, of course, PPE. Um, so you're protecting um, the uh, medical personnel who are taking care of these individuals. Um, then I think you really addressed it uh, as best possible. The other thing that you take into consideration then is, um, you know, what we already talked about, which is that this was never going to be a race where you're going to get 60,000 people out there to kind of compete. It just wasn't going to happen. Um, so by reducing numbers, um, that helps the concern of how many people are going to the medical tents. It's going to be less people. Um, and, um, and trying to ensure that most of the runners are done before it gets too hot. So, you know, normally we're there a little bit more into midday, trying to ensure that both days were done earlier before it really gets hot, you know, hot and humid. Uh, now, when you think about the runners that you see that have heat exhaustion, usually what we see is kind of a bimodal peak. Um, you, uh, maybe perhaps paradoxically, the first burst of people that have heat exhaustion are the first, uh, the first waves, the people who are trying to get top 1000. People who are pushing uh, beyond their ventilatory threshold to their VO2 max for longer when it's hot and humid are going to be the ones that get heat exhausted. And then things quieten down because now you got folks that are not running as hard. They're there more just to get a run in. It's not as hot, still in the earlier morning. And then when you cross over to the late in the morning, you get your second burst of people who are dealing with the heat. So, um, so you know, again, strategically trying to figure out how can you reduce the overall numbers while then strategically trying to sort out the best way of managing the runners 
were a lot of the considerations to come up with a, a good plan. Man, that's awesome. A good plan. So we said in our intro that even for our listeners who are not participating in the AJC Peachtree Road Race this year, they would find your answers fascinating because just, you know, thinking about the depth of boldness of bringing this race to market and as an opportunity for all of us is something that is just interesting and fascinating to see the preparations and ultimately the execution. But the other term we use in our intro is that for those who are not doing it, they were going to have no doubt that this was an important conversation because we weren't just going to focus on the Peachtree Road Race participant 2021. Obviously, as the head of the Emory Sports Cardiology Department, founding that program, you have seen athletes of every ability for a long time. And yet now we have this compounding consideration with regardless of whose opinion you end up bringing to the forefront in terms of where we are relative to the global pandemic, it does not change the fact that this is going to have long-term impact on our ability to utilize fitness as part of how we recreate. So with, with that kind of being said, what is it that you would say to someone who now maybe has a little curiosity, maybe even concern about how to get back to their fitness routine or how to get back to whatever it might be that they were doing to take care of themselves either before or maybe like we've seen in so many instances during the curve of, you know, kind of this main thrust of coronavirus where now they want to be able to do it as consistently and as safely as possible going forward. Yeah. So um, a, a few things, you know, I think as it relates to, you know, we had a lot of advice in the very beginning of the pandemic about kind of, you know, how to exercise during the pandemic. Uh, and I think, um, you know, a lot of those recommendations I think are still fairly valid. You know, exercise outdoors is better. Gyms are opening now. I think a lot of gyms have taken a lot of consideration into good public health practices. Um, and you certainly have not heard of a ton of super spreading uh, uh, kind of developments that started off with people at the gym. So I think they're doing their best. Um, and then the second part of the question is, is so I've had COVID. And how do I get back to exercise? And yes. I think specific to that question, um, there are a few really important kind of rules of thumb. The first, uh, and I'm glad your audience being exercisers are listening to this, because uh, this is a question I get all the time in my clinic. Um, this is not the cold. This is not the flu. Um, and I know a lot of people know that. Um, but a lot of people, particularly athletes, then forget that 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 extrapolates to the recovery and when to exercise. So you and I both know that the um, um, the stereotypical <laughs> endurance athlete is one that uh, eats what they want, exercises when they want, and the best cure for a common cold is to get out there and, and push yourself hard, do some intervals. <laughs> uh, I couldn't think of uh, worse advice post COVID. If you've tested positive for COVID, um, you need to isolate and not exercise. That mm. is a general rule of thumb, whether you are, you know, one of our uh, budding Olympic stars up in Eugene right now trying to qualify for the team, um, 
you're a professional basketball player uh, because these are the recommendations we have for pro athletes, or you are a recreational athlete who runs 30 to 40 miles a week and is hopeful to qualify for Boston. Respect the virus. It can, we know that um, most of the time, cardiac injury post-COVID occurs in those who are sicker. So the people who have comorbidities, who are in the hospital, who are older, they're, at more, they're more at risk for having cardiac damage. It's, um, it happens quite commonly, and that's why we were very worried about people who weren't as sick. This goes back a year ago. What we now know is that, in general, there's not a ton of bad cardiac sequelae for those who don't get that sick from COVID, you know, asymptomatic, mild symptoms. However, that doesn't mean it's impossible. And like any virus, even the common cold, you can have inflammation of the heart from a, from a virus like the common cold. It's called myocarditis. And that can, that, that can happen with COVID or any other virus. And many of the times um, that will happen around day five through 10 of when you get sick. So that's why that self-isolation period is so important. Number one, because you don't want to give it to anyone. That's actually probably most important. But number two, what you don't want to do if there's any potential chance that the systemic inflammation from the virus can start impacting the heart is start exercising on the treadmill in your basement just because you know you feel okay and all you got all you have is a little cough and congestion let yourself recover do those 10 days that the cdc recommends now what we didn't know about a year ago was so okay once you've had it and you're better do you have to have cardiac testing and we're now learning that we don't need to do as much cardiac testing as we thought we did, even for the high-end athletes. So if you're a recreational athlete and you've had COVID and you've gotten better, you don't need any heart testing once you've recovered. Do your self-isolation. Now you've 10 days without exercising. Um, so give yourself, a, you know, build yourself up. It's a gradual, what we call return to play. And that's also really important because if that gradual return to play is limited, meaning your exercise tolerance isn't coming back, you're actually starting to get cardiac symptoms, chest tightness, shortness of breath, dizziness, lightheadedness, your heart's racing. We call these palpitations. You need to get evaluated. Um, so that, that gradual return to exercise is also a place of monitoring, self-monitoring yourself. So much of this can be done without seeing a doctor. And that's an important message is that just because you have COVID doesn't mean you got to go see cardiologists and get heart testing. In fact, the overwhelming majority of people don't need that. But what you still need to have is a healthy respect for the virus um, and also the respect for not transmitting the virus. So take advantage of that self-isolation to ensure that you've recovered. There's no rush in terms of getting back. Um, and in fact, that could almost be a detriment to push yourself too hard too fast. And then as you get back, if things aren't coming back the way they should, then absolutely, that's whenever you want to seek out medical uh, care. And then the last thing I'd say, probably the new thing, because that's advice I've given now for months. Um, which is the not everybody needs to be hard tested and calling up your doc if you've had COVID and you want to start training. Again. Most people don't need that. Um, but there's a long haul. So the long haul phenomenon um, of COVID that everybody's heard about in the news is a very real phenomenon. And uh, maybe ironically or not, what we are worried about so much about, oh, this there's so much of this myocarditis and competitive athletes and people are doing these cardiac MRI studies and showing inflammation of the heart and people who weren't symptomatic. Um, what we, that narrative is probably one that we've gotten um, a lot of answers to, to know that, you know what, um, there just isn't that much of really considerable heart damage in those who weren't as sick with COVID. And the reality is, is that um, 
all the competitive athletes that I know of that have come back post COVID, we still have not had one terrible adverse cardiac event, like a cardiac arrest in somebody post COVID. So that's also been very important. But what we do see are unfortunately young athletes even that a month after they've had COVID are, COVID are still having exercise intolerance, fatigue, headache, chest tightness, this, you know, this brain fog, quote unquote, that people will describe. The long haul phenomenon is a very real thing. And that, and that is something, another, I think, point of emphasis for athletes, which is get yourself vaccinated. Don't get COVID because don't fall into the trap of, you know, somebody trying to tell you, oh, you know, 99 out of 100 people are going to get COVID and be fine. You know, the mortality rate is so low now, which is true. Thank goodness for that. Right. But <laughs> there's all these other downstream morbidity, comorbidities or, or morbidities that can occur, not comorbidities, but morbidities that can occur after having COVID, the long haul phenomenon being uh, case number one. And I can promise you, I'm not making it up. Um, I have young athletes. I have highly competitive athletes without any rhyme or reason. Some of them get this, and it's really, really devastating to a competitive athlete to be on the shelf for months trying to get back an edge and an exercise tolerance that is just gone. Um, and we're still learning about long haul. Uh, we don't know everything about it and, and obviously, again, treatment. So uh, the message I try to give all athletes is, is you, you just don't want COVID. <laughs> um, and, uh, and then certainly if you do have those symptoms as well, those are the ones where as you come back to exercise, if you're feeling that, doesn't mean that it's cardiac related ultimately in the end, but certainly that's whenever you're going to want to seek out your medical professional for assistance. Man, that is rich guidance for sure. Share that with your friends. Let me ask this, Dr. Kim, when we think about long haul and even attach the term phenomenon to that, we're all competitive, even if we're not, to your point, out and Eugene right now, we're not part of the crew you take care of who would consider themselves, based on being paid for it, a professional athlete. But we say at Big Peach Running Company, it's a lifestyle. And in order to be a lifestyle, that's a long haul in itself, right? And we may not run the same time at Peachtree this year if we did our first one 20 years ago or 20 plus years ago. But it doesn't mean we don't have the same desire to get there, you know, feeling as good as we possibly can or perhaps with the clock reading something that's favorable. And even for those who maybe started their fitness routine or returned to their fitness routine over the last six months because maybe their commute was a little bit easier by working from home or they had some flexibility in their schedule because they weren't necessarily picking or dropping kids off at school. They now want to stick with it. They want to do this not just through the end of this year, but they want to do this next year and the decade that follows this one and for as long as they can see into the future. That is a long haul. That is making it a lifestyle. So with that knowledge, wouldn't it be equally as distressing for someone who just wants to commit to a regular engagement with fitness or wellness that if they don't take these steps very seriously right now, that it could impact their ability to just go out and get it done in whatever capacity or whatever level down the road? Is it almost the same thing or maybe even identical? Yeah, no, I think that's a really, really excellent kind of parallel point you make there, Mike. And, you know, absolutely. I think sometimes we're all a victim of kind of looking at worst case scenario, um, which is, of course, death um, from this mm -hmm. virus. But um, but dealing with some of these um, ramifications of recovery that doesn't quite back, get back to normal. And to be fair, I, I again, I don't want people to be panicked out there. Um, sure. 
Absolutely. Most of the young people that I see who have had COVID, certainly at the uh, competitive collegiate ranks um, who have had it, get better. There's no doubt about it. But the point is, is that um, there are not an insignificant percentage that kind of have a longer recovery. Uh, and you know, I think as um, it, it's it deserves a lot of attention to kind of emphasize that um, these are issues that are really um, you know, as a healthcare professional, it's heartbreaking sometimes to, to, to monitor and take care of because we don't have great therapy. Uh, uh, sometimes actually with long call, actually, you do recommend being active and, and exercising for sure. But for many of these individuals, it's, that's they want to get back to that kind of thin razor level of being competitive. Uh, and when that's off, it's it can be very devastating. Um, and certainly I've seen some long haul cases where uh, competitive athletes really can't even, I mean, they're just really struggling. Um, and so the more I can kind of pass on the message of, you know, beforehand it was being safe and social distancing and wearing a mask. And of course, a lot of that, if you're not vaccinated, you, you, you still need to abide by that. But getting that vaccination is, is so important and, and trying to uh, ensure that individuals, athletes are fully informed. Um, I mean, you and I both know that, unfortunately, in today's day and age, there's a lot of news out there that um, is not accurate, um, to say it nicely. <laughs> mm. And uh, it's just kind of the nature of the beast we, we live in. And, uh, you know, I have athletes that will come see me that are vaccine hesitant, and they'll cite all sorts of things that are clearly not accurate. And, you know, I try my best to try to inform. Again, you know, everybody can make the decisions for themselves. You can't force anyone to do anything. You just want people to really know what the facts are. And using a platform like this, I think you and I would both agree uh, what, uh, what I'm sure what your healthcare professional told you and what I can certainly tell your listeners is that these vaccines are safe. Um, I know there's a lot of concern, but, you know, a couple months ago there, maybe a month or so ago, there was concern of blood clots um, with, um, with one of the newer vaccines very rare um it was really more in younger women um i mean really wasn't even described in men and a lot of people were thinking that this was a rampant um uh side effect which it wasn't we're still learning about actually this inflammatory condition myocarditis post-vaccine um there have been some cases described but it's important to know when people could people are concerned as well they should that the cases overall are still um, these are not kind of high numbers. These are so rare events. Uh, and the cases that have been reported are usually fairly mild and, and people recover. And I know that CDC and organizations are still looking into this. And certainly that needs to be completed in terms of getting um, all the official kind of knowledge about this out to mainstream knowledge. Um, but I think sometimes when there's early concerns. People kind of jump on that. And next thing you know, you got a patient who comes in and said, I'm not going to get it because I heard you're going to get myocarditis, uh, which is not accurate. You know, there's hundreds of the hundreds of millions of shots, tens of millions of shots. Um, this is not happening uh, with regularity. Um, so uh, the benefits of the vaccine are clearly still out, outweighing kind of some of these events. And I also point out to folks, there is not a medication out there where there is uh, even Tylenol. <laughs> um, so uh, there's no such thing as any sort of treatment where you're not going to hear about a described adverse event. Um, our, you know, the job of health, uh, the public health officials in this country is obviously to determine the safety to a point where um, these kind of rare events are rare uh, and not really posing a danger to 
kind of mainstream society out there. So um, get your vaccine. That's the bottom line for age 12 and up. Get your vaccine. That's awesome. That not only is a great PSA, it's a great connection to what we want to do here. And that is to take very tangible, credible, in this case, absolutely expert advice and do something with it individually. All right. This is something that we do oftentimes with, with local celebrities. You didn't know this was coming. That's because it's been too long since we've had you on. But I've got a few questions that are more personal in nature just to allow people to kind of get to know the person behind the expertise and, and all the effort that's put forth. So do you mind if I asked you a couple of few personal questions? I'm not going to put you on the hot seat and this is not going to be a, a tell all. These are safe. But I want to make sure since I didn't preface this prior to me hitting the always somewhat, uh, you know, the record button. Are you ready for a few personal questions? I'm ready. All right. So as it comes to your own exercise and thinking about the time period that has recently gone by, what is it that you enjoy doing the most? If you get a little bit of time to yourself and whether it has to do with fitness, exercise, or just something that's a recreational pursuit of yours, what is it these days that usually gets the call? I haven't changed it all really for me. I, I, I've added to it. So uh, for sure, my um, uh, my daily runs, um, but I've intermixed that with Peloton. Uh, I love ah. the Peloton. Uh, so were that... Were you doing that before all of this? No. And, and maybe you didn't, okay, so this is a little bit new for you. Yeah, probably similar to many, you know, who picked up new habits during the, the, the true kind of lockdown period. My wife and I purchased the Peloton in the winter time. And uh, I'm sure people who are listening to this who are Pelotoners can attest. It, it becomes quite um, quite an addiction. In fact, I haven't. Uh, so I don't know if I ever told you this. Uh, I'm nowhere near your level when it comes to talent from an endurance, uh, from a competitive endurance standpoint. I did run in college. I, I ran at Emory. Um, so clearly I wasn't, a, you know, I was not at a power five school as a runner, um, but I haven't come close to vomiting after an exercise uh, activity since college to a few Peloton. Cause you start seeing like these goals where you're trying to set your PR and next thing you know, you know, you finish and I'm like sprawled out on the ground. My wife's like, are you all right? <laughs> <laughs> all right. That's good to hear. Just to, even that visual is good, especially coming from a sports cardiologist that being sprawled out after a hard workout is, is okay. As long as you've done the pre-work to know that you can kind of push those beats per minute to the, uh, perhaps to a little bit higher level. That's awesome. All right. right. Obviously you're going to be really, really busy over the 4th of July weekend. And I'm not going to suggest that you and your family will have a traditional independence day celebration. So if you could set aside all that work and just create the ideal weekend for you or you and your family or however you want to set it up, it may not be independence day weekend for you because you'll be a working man at that point. But what does that ideal work weekend look like? What are some of the things that might get threaded into that type of ideal yeah, weekend? Know, yeah. Um, so the, Peachtree is usually kind of a gateway to our annual family vacation time. We always oh, go to Hilton Head uh, kind of during July. And, uh, and so that's kind of coming up here on the table soon. And so that that's always kind of the nice. best time, you know, and our kids love it. Uh, it's become kind of the family tradition. So uh, it's a little bit of a crazy time to be down there. I always question myself, like, why do we choose July? It's so oppressively hot and humid down there. Uh, we actually went... Um, this winter during a, a kid's break, we've never been during kind of the February months and it was gorgeous. I was like, this is the time we got to come down here. You know, it's still like 65 degrees and 
you can play golf and be outside. Um, but nonetheless, it's still kind of, uh, that's when I think of this time of year, I always think of that. Wow. That's awesome. There's a nice plug for Hilton Head Island for all of you who already know it. For those of you who don't check it out, the last question, oh, yeah. kind of a two-parter. First part is a very short answer, but you know, I'm going to ask you to elaborate dine in or eat out. Oh man. Um, I have to say, and I, I don't—I know everybody's different. For us, we, we've been a dine—we've been a dining-in family here for a year or so. I just haven't quite gotten to the, uh, you know, to pull the trigger and kind of uh, feeling comfortable to go out. I know it's outdoors, and I'm not trying to tell people they shouldn't do it. It's just kind of where we're at right now. But close, uh, you know. We actually talked about for this upcoming trip that trip that you know we may we may partake in some outdoor eating. Well, and, and here's why I ask, and 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 maybe I should be careful because when I have a physician on the line, might look at it a little bit differently. And you're right. And part of why asking this question again is because with things opening up, it makes it a little bit more relevant, regardless of where you fall on the spectrum of whether that's something you want to do. But here's the follow-up: when somebody says dine in, so when they say that they would go out, then my curiosity is where if you could go anywhere where is that and oftentimes it's an opportunity to introduce our audience to a place maybe they haven't tried or haven't thought about but when somebody says dine in they have to tell us what it is that they would be making and enjoying so that we might attach a recipe to this or give something to think about next time they're feeling culinarily inspired so now that you've indicated dine in what would you put on the table for everyone you know, my, my wife's Italian and she makes a mean baked ziti. Uh, in fact, that was wow. kind of the, the, that was the Father's Day uh, choice uh, for me. Uh, so I, I'll go with that. Uh, and if it comes to takeout, um, there's some really good Korean restaurants in Atlanta. So uh, I would, uh, uh, you know, some of them are on Buford Highway and there's others kind of a little bit further away. But uh, I think that there's some, there's some benefits, you know, some really good cuisine in Atlanta. That's awesome, and you are a loved man. If you got baked zita for Father's Day, you deserved it for sure. He is Dr. Jonathan Kim, obviously very much going to be a busy man coming up as the medical director of the AJC Peachtree Road Race, even more so as we've come to know and love him. He is the director of the Emory Sports Cardiology Department and has done much not just for the pedestrian active and fitness minded community, but for people everywhere. Jonathan, thank you for sharing your knowledge. Once again, you are a special friend to all of us. Thanks, Mike. I look forward to doing it again. We will. We will not wait another 70 episodes before that happens. I promise you that. <laughs> and for the rest of you, please know we're going to take a short break. We'll be back in just a minute. Do not go anywhere. Running makes you feel good. Running is healthy and good for you. Running can even be therapeutic, but running doesn't define you. You are not a runner, but running gives you life. At Big Peach Running Company, we get it. That's why we are the number one running store for those that don't call themselves a runner. That's why our guests use terms like friendly, thoughtful, attentive to describe us in reviews. Come see us at any of our seven metro Atlanta area locations or visit us at bigpeachrunningco.com. And welcome back to the Run ATL podcast. If that does not get you ready for your July 4th and even more importantly, your running, walking, fitness routine for the rest of the summer and as a way to make it part of your life long term, I don't know what does D2, what a wealth of information Dr. Kim is. 
Yeah, and that is awesome. And I know that there are people already because I've already gotten um, requests of people planning for, you know, uh, fall and spring marathon, half marathon. They've asked about training programs and if we've got anything uh, going on uh, with that. And we do. So we've got the uh, a Labor Day 10K training program that is targeting uh, Big Pete Sizzler. Um, it is uh, on. It has been announced that it will take place. There'll be a 5K and 10K uh, happening with uh, Big Pete Sizzler. And that training starts immediately the week after Peachy Road Race. So you basically run the Peachy Road Race, you take that week off, and the following Monday we we kick off training with this eight-week training program. So the week of July 12th all the way through Labor Day, um, eight-week training program uh, for a 5K and 10K. It is a 10K training program that we've got on our website, but just take those miles and cut them in half for a uh, 5K. And then after that, we'll start getting into the fall training with um, – you know, for Thanksgiving uh, day half, and then in spring Publix uh, for the half marathon and full marathon training program. There'll be some overlap there as well. So there's plenty of opportunity to to train and, and get those miles in and for us to help you along that journey. And of course, we do have group runs um, happening in our stores that uh, have been happening after several weeks and you're, everyone's welcome to join at any Whatever the distance, whatever the discipline, we've got you covered. And uh, if you were looking for that community, um, you know, we can certainly provide that at any of our seven locations. That's awesome. Ladies and gentlemen, he is not just a beautiful voice. He is also your coach, Coach D2. Thank you for that update. We told you we were not going to delay. There is the recipe. It is run, it is rest, and yes, it is repeat. So the run, coming up july 4th certainly happy independence day to you i hope all of you have a most wonderful very special deservedly special weekend d2 of course we'll see each other between now and then but i wish the same for you as always thank you for, for putting this together and of course everything you've done to get our training program participants for this year's race on july 4th ready you also are about to repeat with the information you just started thank you for doing that and with that we will bring this episode to a close but as we've promised we will not do it long term in just two weeks we'll be back with the back half and we have some terrific episodes lined up you'll not want to miss them but in the meantime we wish you all the best for july 4th happy independence day every weekend as we always say certainly as we mean may your best miles be those covered on foot